Luke 8, verse 22. You ready? All right, there's three people that are ready. How about everybody else? All right, good. Luke 8, verse 22. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came up down on the lake so that the boat was about the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went out and woke him, went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. And he got up and he rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Verse 25, where is your faith? He asked his disciples in fear and amazement. They asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the waters, and they obey him. Father, thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Unique season, uh, meteorologically, if you're paying attention to the weather. Um, I had somebody say, oh yeah, it's just hurricane season, but, but I don't remember seeing this many hurricanes all at one time, and there may have been, I just don't recall that. On our way to the Hawaiian Islands at the prophetic conference, there was a very large hurricane that was uh, very possibly going to just hammer the islands right at the time when we would arrive. And um, we just prayed that the Lord would stick his finger in that thing and just wobble it and make it disappear. Well, that is exactly what happened. And we weren't the only ones praying. There was many, many people praying. And uh, Jim LaFoon, Prophet Jim LaFoon, who we've known for 20-something years, uh, had a, a real vision from the Lord about what was going on, that the storm was actually a demonic assignment to cause real destruction in the islands. And so it wasn't a surprise to me when another storm then came up again uh, that's passing over the islands right now, but again, that one dissipated and went to 50-mile-an-hour winds, which is, that's just a regular winter day here in Alaska, so... Uh, a little bit of rain, and, uh, or maybe a lot of rain, but nothing, nothing horrific, really. And of course, right now, uh, as we speak, Hurricane Florence is moving in on the southern part of the Carolinas. And we pray right now. In fact, let's just lift them up right now. Pastor Barry, you lived right in that region generally. Would you lead, would you lead in prayer? Come on, let's intercede for them. Sure. Father, we call upon you in your mercy, Lord God. We ask that you would just bring protection right now. Uh, Lord God, and mercy and peace upon all of those in that region and area. Lord, we know that even as Pastor read in this passage, Lord, you are the one that commands the winds and the waves. So we ask, Lord God, that you would just speak to this storm, that God, you would cause it to dissipate, that there would be no damage, there would be no loss of life. Lord God, that you would just provide protection. Lord, we just intercede now, and we give you praise for what you're going to do, Lord God, in your great name. Amen. Amen and amen. Wonderful. So what he shared was some, some simple points, and I, I just want to share it with you because it was profound, so simple and so profound. And then, time allowing, I'll get into this, uh, this main text, and we do have some notes for you. Four things to discern when you're in a storm. So this is just like write it on the back of your notes or do whatever you'd like to do there. Oh, I see Jim and Susan Hart. What's our soul count? Can you tell me? 783 people led to Jesus one-on-one -on -one outside the church since Father's Day. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Yes, 
Glory to God. That's amazing. Wonderful. Four things to discern when you're in a storm. Four things. Number one, the measure of its intensity. To measure of its intensity. See, some storms come from God, and we'll, we'll talk about that. Other storms come from the devil. There are God storms, and there are demonic storms. It's like Mother Nature. God does, doesn't destroy stuff. Although there is the fallenness of, of mankind and certain things that can happen that you can end up harmed because of your own foolishness and so on and so forth. But four things to discern if, if it's a demonic storm. Number one, measure its intensity. When the, when the medication doesn't work, when you just can't seem to get healthy, when you just can't seem to get the breakthrough, it could be that it's a demonic assignment, a demonic storm on your life. When I'm saying storm, I don't mean a hurricane. I'm talking about a spiritual storm. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? When you're, when you're in a situation or circumstances, financially, physically, emotionally, or you know, however it might be, a storm, and it's just, it just won't go away, and it's, and it's intense. Measure its intensity. You know, ask, ask, you know, what's going on here? You ask the Lord, what's, what's happening? And if it's demonic, then you need to do something to break that thing. And that's fasting and prayer and giving and serving. The, the density of it, how long is it? How long is it going to be? How wide? How deep? How many people are being affected in the midst of that storm? I've seen storms come to churches and uh, even this church, it's almost like, There'll be times, now that's not happening now, but times in the past where they'll just be like an attack on marriages. You say, well, how do you know that? Because they're calling, and people are, which is smart. Listen, counseling for marriage is like taking vitamins or eating right. You say, do you get counseling? Yeah, when I need it. If we're stuck or we're working things out or we need some wisdom, why not tap a couple hundred years of wisdom instead of just go through it by yourself? That's not too broad, not too wise. Yes, counsel. We constantly is wisdom in a multitude of counsel. If I feel stuck in an area, yeah, I call my pastor. I don't know what you do if you don't have a pastor. Come on, James says, if any of you sick among you, let him call upon the elders. How are you going to call an elder and pastor is synonymous? How are you going to call on, a, on the pastor or the elder if you don't have one? So you, you measure its intensity. Number two, you measure, measure its density. You know, how, how thick is it? How wide is it? And we've seen things happen that, that are clearly, to me, demonic. When you begin to see marriage after marriage begin to just have difficulties and, and, and our counseling department fills up with folks that are normally doing good, but all of a sudden it's just like an undermining of, of, of marriages. And you know the enemy's doing it. Marriage, marriage, the enemy hates marriage. Immensity, he said. When monsters begin to get bigger, when you're facing something and it just seems to enlarge and go huge. I mean, it was already big, but it seems to just get bigger. It's a demonic assignment, a demonic storm. So just some simple things to relate as you go through things in your own life. So I, I think we could say that as a part of the human race, we've all gone through situations that threaten to overwhelm us and freak us out. Yeah, what do you do when a storm hits your family, hits your life, hits your, hits your home, hits your finances? What do you do when you face a storm? What do you do? This incident here gives us insight on how to see, how to see clearly. 
I can see clearly now the rain is gone. That was for you, Pastor Vince. I'm just saying. I can see all obstacles in my way. All right, what, what's happened here? Jesus is ministering. Let's give you the context. Jesus is ministering all day, and he tells his disciples to go over the other side. We're going to go over the other side. So whose idea is it? Whose idea is it to go over the other side? It's Jesus' idea. It's great when he's got an idea. When he's the author, then he's obligated to finish it. If he didn't author it, he's not obligated to finish it. You might be in a storm, if I could just take a sidebar here. You might be in a storm because you started something that he didn't start. You're doing something that he didn't author. Say, what do I do? If that's the case, repent. Ask him to turn it all for good. So the storm whoops up, and these are fishermen that panic. Now, I, I, I've told many fishing stories here. I was on a long-lining vessel, vessel out of Dutch Harbor uh, with, I think, half the boat was just freshly released from prison. The other, another 25% were from Norway, and the other 25% were just mean and angry. So it was really quite an experience for me. And the Norwegians smoked so many cigarettes, and my gosh, it was really something. When we got into some weather, hardly anybody was nervous, but I thought I was going to die. And then being the greenhorn, they pushed us out on deck with uh, axe handles to break ice off the top of the vessel so it didn't get too heavy. Never mind the 20-plus foot swell that we were in. It was quite an experience, commercial fishing. These are fishermen. These are fishermen that get freaked out. This is not like me. This is not like Greenhorn. It's not, you know, and they're, they're in a boat. They've been in storms before. For, so for the fishermen to say, oh, yeah, no, this one is going to kill us. You have to know that it was quite a, quite a storm. And we were in Israel a number of years ago, and we're taking another trip. And uh, you're all invited to go. You just need to sign up and, and pay. It's, it's about $5,000, a little less than that. You get to go to Israel and uh, Greece and London. All expenses paid for $5,000, of course. <laughs> all the meals, all the transportation, all of this take care. All expenses paid for five grand. $4,800, I think it is. But it is a life-changing trip, and we were able to go a number of years ago and we were there on the Sea of Galilee, and the way that the Sea of Galilee is, it can become giant waves. Wind can whip up a certain way and hit that sea, and it becomes, becomes impassable. So I can only assume that something like that happened. And this incident's profound. It's told in all the synoptic gospels, which tells you that it had a big impact on, on the disciples. And so they are there, the incident confronted the disciples. Two things. One... As who Jesus was. Who is Jesus? I mean, they're blown away. Here's, here's this incredible storm, and he's like, ah, oh, what? Well, oh, shut up. <laughs> and I don't know if he went back to sleep. I don't think so. He says, well, well, what's wrong with you guys? And they're like, who is this man? Who is he? That even the wind and the waves obey him. It confronted them. I mean, you can't go through an experience. I mean, I'm so moved by what happened in your family just today. I'm so moved by that, that, that God would, would, 
resurrect somebody from the dead and, 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 and bring blessing and healing and breakthrough, not only to your own family, but even here. How many of you are affected by that? Listen, that's not some story that was fabricated and written in some book so you could be wowed. It actually happened. The, the raising of the dead, the sovereign raising of the dead, it wasn't even like somebody just stood there, hey, Daniel, you looking for your dinner? It's behind the cafe. Awesome. Come on, I'm just going to, you know, you got a 16-year-old. He needs to eat. You know what I'm saying? I got you. I got you, Danny boy. What's up? Yeah. I'm going to beat you in 2K tonight. All right. What are we talking about? Who is he? Who is Jesus? When this event takes place, they're like, mine. It, 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 it's got to be God. I mean, who is this Jesus? It, it was conf confrontational. When you see stories or hear stories like this. Now, the one in Vietnam, you know who told me that? Pastor Steve. Pastor Steve, I've known for 20-something years. You know him from Bible college. He's our pastor in Korea. In, uh, Korea. It's close. Kauai. <laughs> Give me a break. I fasted like all day. Well, half the day. So he's standing there. I've known him for 20-something years too, and he's the one that told me the testimony. Dude, and he says, the guy walked up. He looked like he was dead. And then he found Moses. And we're looking at him. We're all freaked out. We live in what happened. And then, like, he gets saved. And, like, all the color returns to his face. And then he rose from the dead. Pastor Steve's telling me. He was standing there. When you're confronted with who Jesus really is and you really don't have any more problems or you have problems where he can step in and say, shut up to the wind and the waves. Stepping into the boat that evening. Falling asleep in the back was none other than the Son of God. Fully God, fully man. Not only confronted by who Jesus was, but confronted by the importance of their faith. Confronted by the importance of their faith because they get straight rebuked. Where's your, where's your faith? When Jesus rebukes you, man, that, that, that's um, Jesus is saying, look, trust me. When you trust in me, it releases power. When you have faith in me, it releases power. When you're facing circumstances and you're facing storms that are insurmountable and they're, they're broad and they're wide and you don't know how to make it through, trust in Jesus. Trust in him. And again, there are two kinds of storms. There's God's storms and, and, and devil storms. So write in your notes. How do we act in the midst of the storms of life? Well, ask some questions. Ask some questions like, one, am I in the storm because I'm doing the will of God? That's the first thing you want to ask. Am I doing God's will, yes or no? Well, um, no, no, no. Yes or no? And so, some folks are doing like half of the will of God, and then they got the other half in the world. So that, that's not going to work. Are you in the will of God? And if you're in the will of God and you're facing a storm, then the enemy saw something to try to rob you, slow you down. Jonah was in a storm because he was in disobedience. So what are you saying? I'm saying that some of you are Jonas. Some of you are in storms because you've disobeyed. Because you've not obeyed the Lord. And then you're shaking your fist. God, I thought you loved me. He says, yeah, I love me. But I can't, I can't violate my own character. You know, you, you, if you sow to the wind, you're going to reap the whirlwind. You do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. A man will reap what he sows. So what have you been sowing? Some of you are experiencing a harvest in your life. Well, it's really just a harvest of what you've been sowing. 
Lord, we pray for crop failure right now, for the seeds that we sowed. Oh, God, let them die. Amen. If you don't like what you're in right now, don't be pointing the finger at somebody else. I know people can do things that are foolish, and, and people, you know, people hurt people, unfortunately. But if you don't, if you don't like your is, pardon me, if you don't like your was, change your is. If you look in the rearview mirror of your life and you see mayhem, destroyed relationships, and you just see a whole bunch of turmoil, look yourself in the mirror and ask God to help to change your decisions you're making today. Listen, if you keep running your credit cards up, you're going to have a big problem. If you keep doing the same thing, expecting a different result, that is one of the definitions of insanity. So you have to change. If nothing changes, nothing changes. Jonah was in a storm because he disobeyed. The thing about Jonah is that uh, everybody that was with Jonah was in the storm. As I've said in other services, if you're in a storm because you have Jonah on board, bring him up onto the top of the deck, kick him off the boat, and let him, let, give, him up, give him over to the Lord. There's a lot of codependency. A lot of people are trying to save people. Listen, you're not a very good Messiah. You're not a good Savior. And there's times where you just need to let, let people swim. Like it or lump it. Tough love, some people call it. You don't have to be mean about it, but, you know, the rules are the rules. And if somebody doesn't want to follow them, I'm, I'm not going to change. The, 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 come on, you do what's right. And if somebody doesn't like it, they can swim. I don't want to do that. Well, that's because you're being manipulated. And so you've got people that wind you around their finger. Now, the, the hardest one I have, I'm just going to be honest, the hardest one I have in my life that can get me wrapped around their finger, there's only one. It's my daughter. I don't know what the deal is. I have to fight it. She goes, oh, daddy. And she goes like this. I'm like, oh, I just want to do anything. How much she need? You know, I, but I've gotten healed. Mostly. Does any other father know what I'm talking about? It's just something. Yeah, now my son doesn't have me wrapped around his finger. Now, now my daughter, yeah, she can really get me. And I, I don't know, it just, I don't know, it does something. So, ask some questions. Are you in the storm because you're doing God's will or are you doing your own? Number two, is Jesus in your boat? Pretty simple message. If Jesus is in your boat and you sink, you'll be the, a submarine. Listen, if Jesus is with you and you start sinking, you really have nothing to fear except fear itself. So don't worry. If Jesus is with you, is he with you? Is he with you? Are you sure? I'm going through, we've gone through difficulties. I'm, you know, you come to morning prayer or however it is for you, just press in. I'm like, oh God, is everything, am I all right? Just... Do a check, Lord. You know, and I repent for not putting my seatbelt on faster. I mean, or, you know, the Lord will show me, oh, you were a jerk to your wife. Oh, Lord. Hey, you know, men, you can hinder your prayers by not treating your wife right. Then that's right in the New Testament. Ladies, it applies to you too. Now, there are storms where you're in it because of the will of God or storms you're in it because of your own will. But if Jesus is in your boat, it's all going to work out. Who's in your boat? Who is in your boat?
Who are you traveling with? Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. Show me who your partner with. Bad company corrupts good character. Some of you are like, oh, snap. I knew I should have got rid of Yeah, that's right. You probably should. You probably should distance yourself from that foul mouth pagan and minister to them instead of bring them into your inner circle and let them give you counsel. Or, you know, even an aunt, you know, who, you know, she'd have wild life maybe. I mean, I'm just hypothetical. Aunt Judith, what are you going to that church for? <coughs> they don't really know you. <coughs> Excuse me. Give your money to that church. All they want is your money. <coughs> How's that working for you there, Aunt Judith? It's not working too good. I mean, why would you want to emulate somebody whose life is in destruction with torment and depression and no working relationships and, and finances in shambles and health in shambles and bitterness and anger and unfair? Why would you want to partner with that? You say, my aunt. Yeah, you love them, but you don't bring them close and you minister to them, but you don't bring them close to your inner circle of confidants, for God's sake. Well, my aunt Judith said, devil could be talking right through your aunt. Hey, come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Who's in your boat? Recognize we're right in the notes. If you're in God's will, the storm is Satan's way of trying to stop you. So if you're in a storm and you're doing God's will, then who's trying to stop you? Satan. He's trying to stop you. Why? Because he's nervous. Listen, let your giants prophesy to you. Let, let your Goliaths prophesy to you. I mean, why would there be such a huge obstacle before you on the way to your promised land? Because the devil's nervous if you get to the other side. Come on, you got to think differently with a head that big and a, a stone. You can't miss. Giant, uncircumcised, fat head. Can't miss. Got to think differently. So if you're in the will of God and you're doing his plan and you're facing some pushback, welcome to the, welcome to the battle. Come on, there, there's a battle. We're in a battle. Consider it not strange, brethren, sistren. We face all kinds of fiery trials. Yeah, right. We war not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and rulers in dark places, not high places. Come on, we take up the shield of faith. Come on, you take every thought captive and make it obedient. You don't, don't yield to the enemy. Don't yield to his shenanigans. Don't be manipulated. Don't be, don't be pressed back in fear. Listen, when we face serious attacks, and they come all the time, I let it encourage me. I'm like, oh, what? You're nervous, right? You're nervous. I find you, right? I go out to get some more people saved and give some more and serve some more and just rest and know that Jesus is in my boat so I don't have to worry about whatever storm I'm going through. He's going to bring me through. He's going to heal me. He's going to help me throw Jonah off the, off the boat if need be. He's going to give me wisdom. He's going to speak and say, waves, be still. Wind, shut up. And I'm going to overcome. I'm going to win. Come on, if God be for you, who can be against you? Why so downcast, oh my soul? Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. 
Satan loved to try to stop you. Paul said, I wanted to come to you, but Satan hindered me. Wow. I'd say it's safe to say, assume that if the Apostle Paul could be hindered by Satan, I think the enemy would love to try to hinder the church. Love would try to hinder you. Don't be uptight. Too late. <laughs> Don't be uptight. You know, one of the things as I've gotten older that I do less and less of, in fact, I... I don't know, you'd have to ask my wife, but honestly, I, I don't worry. I mean, I, yeah, I think I can say it. I'm going to say it. I don't worry. I almost never worry. If you see me running, you better run. I'm just telling you. <laughs> I, remember, I remember going brown bear hunting on the side of, of Hatcher Pass, and uh, we went all up in there, and I was still wet behind the ears in Alaska maybe five years, and I had my 4570, which is a good bear gun. But the idea is you're supposed to like be able to see them first. You know, when we're going through these bushes and we can, you know, we're seeing water run back into a bear print, a bear paw print. Water's running back in. How many of you know? I think they were there pretty recently. I, I'm not much of a tracker, but that, that would tell me <laughs> nearby pretty recently. And, you know, you have that smell, that smell that just makes your throat close. It's disgusting. It's the smell of bear. And so we're there, and I'm like, I'm going to shoot a, a brown bear. And then all of a sudden, I felt like, no, I'm not. I'm going to get mauled. <laughs> I think it was the Lord. It was just like I felt this protection sort of come off of me. And I realized, idiots go where angels fear to tread. I'm in the wrong place. I don't know what I'm doing. The bushes are this high. I can smell. <laughs> I'm like. Ah! Right? I mean, you just want to run and scream like a little girl. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. So we went back to back. Two grown men. We, you know, going down this little trail and all the way down to we felt like we were out of it, you know? Now, I, I've experienced fear like that. But when I'm doing the will of God, I, I, I just got I was a little um, ambitious to, I needed some help. I, need, I needed the great white hunter of the north, Austin Jones, to come help me is what I needed. <laughs> there, I shouldn't have been there. I'm so thankful I didn't get mauled. We were in the wrong place. We were way out. We were, we were way out. Some of you gotten way out where you should never be. God didn't speak to you to do it. So you feel fear. You're darn right because you're, you're out. You're out of pocket. You understand? You're, you're outside of where he wants you to be. And that's different than knowing, knowing the will of God and being out on the water. Listen, I've stood on our property when I start feeling like, what have we done? What have we done? What have we done? We're building a huge facility. Oh, God. And there's been times when I get tired or hungry or, you know... I, I'm not prayed up. And I'll go out to that property, and I've stood there going, whoa, oh, Jesus. And then I just start prophesying the very thing. Lord, you said, God, you gave us this thing. You spoke to a 10-year-old and gave it back to us. You gave us some money. You gave us a plan. You brought Shiloh Construction. This whole thing is yours. I'm not going to worry. Listen, you can get in the flesh and get out of pocket and get messed up and not begin to see. You don't see things clearly. It can be concerning. Okay, I've had those moments, but when I'm feeling those moments and I know I'm in the will of God, it's time to get back in prayer. It's time to get back plugged in. It's time to, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Don't get up tight. 
Some of you are on the edge of a miracle, but you're so uptight. You're freaked out. Stand your ground. Having done all else, continue to stand. Believe it. Decree it. Proclaim it. Rise up in faith right there in your notes. And in Christ's authority and prayer. Jesus has all power. Luke 10, 19. Behold. I give you all authority to trample on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Wow. Listen, as God's people, we need to come to an understanding that he's with us. And if he he called us, which he certainly did, he'll give us the anointing, he'll give us the unction right when we need it. Sometimes it's darkest before the dawn. It's some of the greatest breakthroughs I've seen in this church, in this ministry, have been, well, I mean, I'll just tell you, like, when we got the property, we put it in offer, and it was accepted, we were able to, the acceptance was a million dollars on a four million dollar property, so you buy it, you make three million overnight, appraisal value, 3.9, tax assessed 3.9, appraisal 4 million, that's what it was, and so we were able to buy it for 1,050,000 dollars. Okay, so the deal's on the table. It's, it's great. Now we have to get financing. We didn't have one cent. Oh, I mean, you know, we had a few thousand dollars compared to, we didn't have a million dollars. We were going to get a million dollars. The organization we were working with that had financed most of our buildings across America said, Dunny, you can't have any more money. You're, you're guys, you got, you're tapped. We had the largest amount of loans with them that anybody had in America. Now we don't have any with them, I don't think, because we paid them all off. But at that time, at that time, we didn't have anything. So, I mean, I don't know if you've ever had to raise a million dollars. Some people just have that and can write the check or whatever. And by the way, if you do and you want to help us with our building project, just drop it in the offering. Amen. So that whole week, we weren't even allowed to buy. Never mind, okay, get other financing. No, no, no. We're not allowed to get other financing. They, they had basically said, you're capped until you pay this thing down. So that whole week, I felt like I was fighting a devil from hell. Aha. I'm thinking, how is it? How is it that God gives us the land back and, and, and we're supernaturally led here and it's our old property? This is amazing. How is it that we wouldn't be able to get the money to do it? How is that? And I just thought, that's impossible. And I just, I mean, I fasted that week and I prayed and I said, God, you're the one that did it. God, dude, you know what? They, after a week went by, the bank is calling us. So, well, I had, I, we had contractors that saw the deal and were like, they were cursing because they know the bankers and they, they know everybody involved and they're going to come with their million dollar check right now and buy it. And they gave us a little extra time and wouldn't you know what happened? The bank and the people that were, had loaned us all that money changed their mind. And they gave us a loan, no money down. We were able to buy it. And you know what happened since then? We paid them off. From, come on, somebody say hallelujah. But it's a little nerve-wracking when you're facing stuff. And you don't know how it's going to come through, but you know it's in the will of God. You've got to just hold your peace. In fact, that's a, a great verse of Scripture when they're about to cross over the Red Sea and Egypt is gunning down behind them and all of Israel's like, you brought us out here to kill us. And they're crying out and God speaks to Moses and says, why are you crying out to me? Move forward and tell the people to hold their peace. And if you do that, 
then the enemy that you see today, you will never see again forever. Hold your peace is more than be quiet, which many people should do. Because you can be quiet and still be filled with anxiety and angst. You can, you can have your mouth shut, be raging on the inside. Don't, don't raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Holding your peace. When you're in the middle of a storm and you're facing something, you, you, you have to rise up in faith and calm yourself down. Calm down. I've laid hands on myself and just, uh, just go, okay. I can't do anything in the natural, but I can pray, which is everything. I mean, I, I, that, you know, oh, has it come to that? We have to pray now? Listen, prayer. <laughs> All we can do is pray. I sometimes catch myself saying that stupidness. All we can do is pray. Praying is everything. That is how everything that you see and everything that's taken place is because we've stood on God's word by the grace of God, not even anything wonderful in and of ourselves. It's just the a miracle grace of God. And we pray, we plead, and we intercede, and we live a lifestyle of repentance, and we keep pushing ahead and sacrificing and doing everything that we can, and God does the rest. You will, you will, in the next couple of months, see this building rise off that hill, and it's going to blow your mind. You will look and go, oh my, because some of you think we're just building a little church. We're not building a little church. And we're not building an ego build either. It is not little though. And you will see it. It'll just be like, oh my God, he lives, he lives. I'm telling you, when you drive by it, over these next couple weeks, as you drive by based on Ezekiel, not Ezekiel, Ezra and a couple other places, I want you just to roll your window down and shout praises as you reach your hands out. As that foundation's being poured, the shouts of praise. Come on. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. None of that would have happened if we got uptight and quit. Jesus has all power. Rise up in faith. Christ's authority and power. Jesus has all power. Rebuke the storms in Jesus' name. Come on, say that. Rebuke the storms in Jesus' name. Rebuke them. What does that mean? Adjure for the King, Jam- King Jimmy's. Adjure the storm. Point to it and say, in the name of Jesus, I command you to be silent, disappear, go away. Move. Now, if you're all jacked up because you're not doing God's will and you're in your own thing, then you need to repent and watch the storm and repent, come back to the Lord, give your heart back to him, do whatever you got to do, and then the storm will subside and he'll bring you through. Sometimes it gets a little worse, but if you'll just hold on to Jesus, you'll go through. So simple message tonight, really simple. Can you see in your storm? Is the storm from, from God? Or is it, is it from, from the devil? Are you in God's will? Or are you not in God's will? Is Jesus in your boat? Uh, I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. How do you get him in your boat? Well, you repent, receive him as your Lord and Savior. That's number one. Then you abide with him. You learn to abide. You learn to rest. And you labor into his rest. You, you learn to just press in. And worship him. Pray. Don't live beneath your God-given, blood-purchased right to walk in power and authority. You have authority. Sickness comes on your house, you drive that thing right back to hell where it came from. You start battling depression, you lift your voice, and you break that thing off your life. Start making choices. 
If you're sinking because Jonah's on the boat, kick him off. Figure out what's going on in the storm and begin to take the action to right your vessel. And I, I love this. It was Jesus' idea to go to the other side. It wasn't their idea. Do you get something? Stand up on your feet all across this place. Lift your hands to the Lord. God, we thank you. We praise you. We rebuke the storms in Jesus' name. Come on, just begin to speak to those storms in your life that if they're not from God, I thank God for storms that got me right back on track. Thank God for that. But I'm talking about storms right now, the storms that you're in perhaps because the devil's nervous. Come on, just rebuke them right now. I rebuke every storm. I rebuke every assignment. The wind and the waves sent by the enemy to slow us down or distract us or discourage us. We command the wind to cease and the waves to be still in the name of Jesus. We declare that we will cross over to the other side. Say it. I will cross over to the other side. Say it again. I will cross over to the other. God's will will be done in my life. Say it. God's will will be done in my life. Come on, you believe that? Say amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're not right with God, Jesus is in your boat. Well, you need to get him in your boat tonight. You need to get him in your boat tonight. You say, that's me, Pastor. I'm glad for your honesty. You want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time or make a recommitment because you drifted. He's not in your boat. You know it. You want him back in your boat. You want him back in your heart, back in your life. You want to let go of compromise. You want to let go of the things that are causing your boat to list be in a storm if that's you you want to give your heart back to jesus or give your heart to jesus for the first time lift your hand all across this place right now do it right now lift your hand high god bless you right on son see that hand thank you for your honesty anybody else all right praise the lord in a moment i'm going to invite you to come and meet me right here and there's going to be others that are coming with you some leaders coming you're not by yourself you say why would you do that because Jesus said, if you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. But if you, if you deny me, I will deny you. And we have a theory that, based on that scripture, that if you can't live and make an acknowledgement for Jesus right here, right now, in front of a bunch of people that love him, it's going to be really difficult out there. So won't you come right now? Just come right here, right now. Come. Come. You raised your hand or you didn't. You know you need to be here. Why don't you put your hands together for these guys? Come on. you can do a little bit better than that thank you lord praise you jesus come on just pray this prayer right out loud all across this place those online say dear heavenly father thank you for sending your son jesus to die in my place and rise again from the grave for me forgive me of all of my sin and come into my heart come into my life Wash me, cleanse me, and make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Would you lift your hands to Jesus all across this place? Holy Spirit, come, fill. Fill each and every one of us. Fill these, those that just prayed that prayer. Be filled with the Holy Spirit.
The evidence is speaking in tongues. Come on, you have the freedom to pray in the Spirit. Or maybe you've never been filled. Ask God to fill you right now. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The fire of God, you need it. Be filled. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we praise you. And we give you glory and honor. Power and dominion belongs to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope that you were encouraged, got something from the Lord. Let me share one more thing with you. We'll be coming out with a whole ad campaign. We're going to three services on Sunday morning. Let me tell you what they are. Nine, 11, and one. We're adding a 1 p.m. service, all right? So why are you doing that? Because we simply can't get more people in the building. And that's the only way we can do it. So I'm encouraging you at the close of this service. I need volunteers. I'm just telling you, I need help. I need more ushers. I need more greeters. We need children's workers. We need to multiply because otherwise our other volunteers are going to wear out and be like, um, I can't do this anymore. It's very demanding, but together we can do it. Amen. By the way, I've learned this. You build God's house, God will build yours. It is, and, if, and if you don't learn to serve as a part of your discipleship, you'll be missing out on the maturity that God has for you. There's nothing quite like serving in the house of God. So we'd encourage you as, you, as we get closer to the, it won't be till mid-October. October 14th, in fact, we'll be changing. So you'll hear more about that. But you're the first to know going to three services on Sunday. Wonderful. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for what you've done. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us, O God. Be gracious to us. Keep us. And give us peace in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you Sunday. Praise the Lord.